This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. It is another beautiful day in the Jewish state. Wow, another beautiful day. You know, someone asked me one time, Judy. Uh, they said uh, it was during, uh, it was back in the fall. And someone wrote on my Facebook page, they said, How can you say that it's another beautiful day in the Jewish state with everything that's happening? And I responded back, Folks, if you can get a hold of this, let it sink deep down in your heart and run with it. I can say no matter what the circumstance or no matter what happens, no matter what the situation, I can say it's another beautiful day in the Jewish state because there is a Jewish state. And uh, that is what is exciting to me as I've lived here for almost four years and have seen the beauty of the people and the miracle that is Israel. It's amazing. It is amazing. It is ma- that you wake up every day here and it's you really understand why people say, thank God I'm here. Amen. I'm awake. Thank God for this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay, folks, listen, uh, we have a very special guest uh, that is here in Israel. She's from the United States. She's Jewish from New Jersey. And uh, we have Judy, help me out? Schaefer. Schaefer. Judy Schaefer. And Judy is with Heroes to Heroes. And this is very exciting, Judy. Because I want to, first of all, I want to say thank you to my good friend, uh, uh, Yoav, who brought us together. Oh, yes. yes. And uh, he sent me a text message and he said, hey, here's this lady's information. You've got to hook up with her. She's awesome. And so I like to hook up with good people. Me too. And uh, you're doing yeah. an amazing job. Explain to us real quick what Heroes to Heroes is. Okay. Um, to explain it, I really have to give you a little bit of a history and That's what why it started. Um, I've, I was brought up by one of the most wonderful people in the world, my father, who was a World War II vet. Wow. And all I knew was he landed second day Normandy. He was in the Battle of the Bulge. Wow. He ended up at the end of the war in Germany for a while. Um, he didn't speak much. And I knew there was something going on with him. Why was he so quiet? Why didn't he talk about it? Mm-hmm. Yet, every once in a while, he would say being in the Army was one of the best things, was probably the best thing he ever did aside from his family, having a family. But he never told us what it was he did. The details. The details. And there seemed to be something of a haunting. Well, to fast forward to 2001, my father died as a result of a car accident on the way to a meeting of the Jewish war band. Wow. One of the favorite, his favorite things to do. Wow. When we were... Can I ask how old he was? He was 81. And he was still driving? Still driving, one month short of his 82nd birthday. Wow. So... When we were sitting Shiva, one of his friends told me... Kept, and then for the listener, I don't but, oh, For the listener, go ahead. Okay, the quick. seven days, there's a seven-day period after you bury someone in the Jewish religion where you actually sit in your home, friends visit, help comfort you, you talk about the person you lost, tell stories, and it's a really way, it's a great way to bridge that gap from shock funeral to getting back to life. Yeah, and I've sat in a few and I, I love it. It's, yeah. it's a great, great... Anyway, go ahead. Yes. So during Shiva, one of his friends told me that the thing he missed the most about my father were the times they went to help the wounded vets. Wow. Now, I spoke to my father all the time. But again, the way he was doing 
something good, doing a good deed, he was silent. No one needed to know. So I never knew. But what I found out was, for the last 20 years of his life, he took wounded veterans to medical appointments, shopping, to baseball games, whatever it was that Fort Dix needed them to do for the vets. Wow. Wow. And, you know, it stuck with me. Um, I was so close to him. I, you know, I, you know, I want him to live forever beyond me. Uh, and eight years later, I was invited to go to Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And that's where our parents soldiers. Met, that's where they met. Yeah. Well, I can understand. It's a very emotional, very beautiful, sad place. Um, yet there are some so many people saved there that it is really a great place. Also, yeah. uh, so when I visited. What I saw, I spoke to soldiers, and I spoke to their mothers, and for the first time, it hit me. You know, these young men and women raised their hands, and my sons, who were the same age, were able to go on to college, not disrupt their lives, move forward, and live happy-go-lucky, because these young men and women sacrificed so much. And I knew as a mother, I owed these soldiers. I'm an American. You know, they kept my family intact. They allowed my sons to never have to worry about being, you know, being drafted because they raised their hand. If they hadn't raised their hand, we'd have to find young men and women to fight these wars. So I knew I had to do something. And I didn't, wasn't sure what it was. But I looked at a lot of veterans' organizations. There were so many organizations doing really good things. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I noticed that no one was really hitting the spirit. You know, 22 veterans take their own lives in the United States mm-hmm. every single day. And that's a government Department of Defense statistic. It's out there. It could be more. And I said, that's a crisis of faith. Right. You're right. And people are giving up on themselves. They don't feel as if they matter. And I need to help bring that back. Wow. And so I looked, thought about it, and I said, you know, when I was 16 years old and I had my own crisis of faith, my parents, like many Jewish parents, said, get on a plane, go to Israel for the summer, and go get fixed. <laughs> Let them deal with it. That's awesome. <laughs> I think everybody in the hotel is here. I hopped on a plane with about 300 other 16, 17-year-olds, which El Al was thrilled about. And we went to Israel. And when I put my hand on that wall, yeah. Yeah. I realized that Mm-mm-mm. there was so much more to life that I was being selfish that I need to get my act together and I need to think before I go down oh I can't I can no longer return and so I thought back to that time and I said wait a minute if that was so effective for me right. how effective would that be for someone coming home from war who has lost their faith who has moral injury which is tremendous guilt about what they were asked to do by their government how how would it work would it be possible to bring them to Bethlehem and the wall 
and the Stations of the Cross and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? What if we had them baptized if they wanted to be? Would they be able to come mm-hmm. back? Mm-hmm. Would they be able to understand that they matter? Wow. And that's how Heroes to Heroes was born. And that was in March, six years ago last week, March 10th, 2010. Happy birthday. Thank wow. you. And we are here in Israel with our eighth Heroes to Heroes team. Wow. We have sent over 80 people on the program wow. this day. So what we do is we take teams of 10 veterans with two coaches who are alumni of the program. Uh, all of the veterans are combat vets who are having challenges returning to civilian life. Some of them have tried to take their own lives more than once. Some have not left their homes in years. Some have no relationships with their spouse, with their children, with their parents. Some are unable to work. Some have given up. And we bring them here so they can find a new life, they can find a new chance, and they can come back again. And we are seeing tremendous results. It's a tough program. We tell them, you're going morning till night, you're exhausted. Right now, I'm That's the way they go when you come here. That's the way you go. <laughs> and there's so much to see, and it's only 10 days. Right. Um, it's, we, the history is so the amazing. The history is amazing. But the most important thing is the connection. Absolutely. Um, getting that connection back, touching the stone in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, touching the place in Bethlehem that in the Church of the Nativity where Jesus was born, touching that wailing wall, getting baptized, feeling that water, now, planting the tree. I, I want to say, yeah. I, 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 was, I, I want to say I really respect and appreciate what you're saying because you're Jewish mm-hmm. and there's a lot of folks that have a whole lot of problem with what you're telling me. Yeah. And, and uh, but you... I want to say thank you for doing what you're doing. Principle. Mm-hmm. Not if I jump in here for a second. Please. Folks, if it were not for, I, I say this, I tell the soldiers, because when the soldiers ask me, you're not Jewish, why do you care about us? Why? Which rips my heart out when I look at these young people. You know, as Americans... What do I know? I came here, and I, the first thing I saw the first month I was here was rockets in 2012. What, as an American, you need to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what do I know? You don't know Jack, okay, about sacrifice. We really don't. As Americans, we don't. We're, we're, thank God we're able to I, live the way we do. I agree. Um, you know, it's, and let me, it's a gift. And I say that. With regard to the fact that someone else, as an American, has paid the price for my freedom, just like you said. At the same time, we, and this is why I'm glad that you, that you are Jewish and bring them here. Because the reality is, with all of the arguments that people try to make to negate the truth, if it had not been for God giving Torah to the Jewish people... There would be no United States Constitution or Bill of Rights. God is mentioned throughout. And I owe you, as a Jewish woman, I owe every Jew in this country a gratitude of thanks and a debt for my freedom as an American. 
This is why I love your soldiers so much, because they fight for that freedom every day that I don't know anything about fighting for. But the simple fact that you would bring that connection is, you know, I, I can't even imagine what these guys have been through. I know what my father went through when he was in Vietnam. And my uncle, who's now in some very serious health problems, my dad's passed away. But, but to think that when a man in his self loses that, that piece of himself because of uh, humanity's insanity. Mm-hmm. And yet he can come here, thank you for bringing them here, so that whether you're Jew or Christian, you know what kills me? When I hear some people say in this country, well, I don't believe in God. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, uh, when, you, when it's all around you, you sometimes don't Like the it. miracle, yeah. like the miracle that I see in this country in 67 years. I'm, I don't mean to get, I'm not right. getting off. It's, it all comes no, together. But it's, folks, it is amazing. We need to say thank you to our veterans in the United States of America. Oh, it's so important. And we need to understand them and not judge them. You know, the key, what, what I find here is, in Heroes to Heroes, it's a no-judgment zone. Okay? We tell people, people are going through different things with religion, with their experience. Everyone experienced something. Maybe it's, this quote-unquote, the same and more, but it's different. Right. The way you perceive it is different. We also bring Vietnam vets on this program. Wow. Because we feel that... And we're seeing how much they can gain. They've been forgotten, and it's so many years. And if they can have the last 10, 20 years of their lives in peace and acceptance, let's do it. You know, we often talk about, you know, what what would you pay to save a life? Amen. Okay? What's it worth? Okay? Empty my bank accounts. Right. Okay? So if we could take 10 people here... And, you know, people have told me the program has saved their lives. Wow. You know, in six years, I've raised, you know, $500,000. Wow. More than two more than two people have told me they're alive today because of this program. Okay. Countless others. Who knows? I mean, that's the cheapest. That's the best deal I ever got for money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So it's so important that we keep our veterans in our minds. When we see someone, they tell you they're a veteran. Thank you. No judgment. I appreciate it. And I know so many people do. You know, there are a lot of people who ask different questions. They're not ready to talk to all of us. What they've gone through is very private. We see it here. When they come here, they'll open up to other vets who have been through combat and understand, you know, children get killed. Women get killed. Innocent collateral damage it's war. happens. It's war and it's ugly and yeah. it's not intentional. And our guys are not killers. They're doing a job. Their government says this is what you need. Our government says this is what we need to do and they're doing a job. We go to our jobs every day. And we hope we're not judged by our jobs. We hope we're judged by the people who we are. And I think it's important for us to get to know them as people, not as warriors, as people. They were, they're doing a job. And yes, they many of them enjoy their job. They don't enjoy killing people. Not a single person I've right. ever spoken to has enjoyed that part of their job. But they enjoy protecting you and me, all of us. And they feel they're doing it. You know, I have, I have two questions for you. First of all, this is my... 
I'm going to I want to tell you share a story with you I had a plumber come to my apartment yesterday and uh, wow it this guy was in the first Lebanon war he's married has three children two girls and a boy and we were talking and uh just you know, he, he didn't. We didn't. I didn't ask him a bunch of questions, but I did ask him. I said, because he's my age, I'm 45, and I said, so you were in the first Lebanon War, judged by his age, and he said, yeah. He said, you know, it's hard. He said because I wake up, folks. This is what these soldiers, every young person, has to face in this country if they're not doing national service. He said, I wake up almost every morning. He said, I see my friends that I lost in front of me. He said, it's hard for me to sleep sometimes, even years later, 20 years later. I, so, wow. It's, I, again, like, you know, I've, I, even the time that I've been here when I was during the operation in 2014 and all that stuff that went on, honestly, like, I can't even imagine what these guys go through. I hear, if I leave the TV on and hear an alarm on the TV, I wake up in a cold sweat. That's how it's affected me. I can't imagine how it's affected these young people. With that being said, how, where, where, how do you involve Israeli veterans? Okay. The Israeli veterans are a key. And I, before, yeah. with that in mind, uh, the next question, so I don't forget because I've got okay. name. The next question is, how do you pick which veterans from the United States? Okay, two great questions. Um, number one, we have five Israeli veterans who travel with each team of ten. So it's two for one. So two Americans and one Israeli are in each hotel room. Uh, and there's a reason for that. That's great. It really gives them the sense. They learn to be together. They learn about each other's cultures. They learn different perspectives. And there's also a safety factor. Our guys learn quickly that they can tell their Israeli allies anything. Wow, and what a great word, They've been through the same thing. Okay, they've been through combat. You know, with the Israelis, it's in their backyard. With our guys, it's three, four, six, eight thousand miles away. Yeah. And it's the same fight. Our guys know they're defending the United States, and they're keeping the bad stuff out of our backyard. Unfortunately for the Israelis, the bad stuff is their backyard. So all they can do is try to keep it over the border. Yeah, wow. But it's the same fight. It's in villages. It's in towns. If you look around your neighborhood and you imagine that same neighborhood being in an Israeli border town, chances are you're going to be infiltrated by the enemy any night. People get kidnapped. People get murdered in their homes. And it's an Israeli soldier's job to defend you and to, to keep it away from your house. With our soldiers, they want to keep it out of our, off our continent. You know, we were attacked in 9-11. You know, we don't like to look at it that way, but that was our Pearl Harbor. And so we were lucky enough that we could fight overseas. and We didn't have to wait for it to come home again. So when the Israelis and the Americans sit down and talk and they talk about going into neighborhoods and they talk about things that happen that they will never admit to this audience because they will be judged. So much goes on and there's 
culture. There are cultural things that happen in Afghanistan that people in the United States are not ready to hear. You can't. But when they can speak to someone, to their Israeli brothers, and have understand that they understand each other, they've had the same experience, and listen to it from a different perspective. Right. Israelis have a very have it's an easier system. They come back. They're fighting. Everybody knows what it is. Right. Everyone knows that if they don't fight, it's going to be in their backyard. Right. Those of us in the United States don't understand that. It will be in our backyard, and it's coming to our backyard. And if we don't wake up, we don't start pushing, start understanding that people want to kill us. Just because... I can wear my blonde hair out and wear a pair of jeans and run around and have this conversation. They hate me for it and won't even throw the Jewish thing in. Right. Well, that okay. makes it even worse. That makes it worse. <laughs> I have and the chance okay. to convert. Yeah. You don't have any chance. Right. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with that. So they hate me and worse. Well, they hate you too. You're an infidel too. Because I stand with the Jewish state. Well, whether or not you stand with the Jewish state, you're an infidel. I go into Hebron with the rocks at it. But the reality is having our our vets with the Israeli vets, understanding, and our vets work with Muslims in Afghanistan and Iraq, and there are plenty, plenty of good people who worked, Muslim people who worked with the United States and who have helped us. And... I will never, ever take that away from anyone who's done. Take those kudos away. When our guys get together... I want to be a little mischievous after we've paid them thousands of dollars. Okay. Well, you know, I want want my bubble, my happiness of saying that some of them really understand that they want to help. They really want to help from their hearts. Right. Um, But when our guys sit down and speak late at night and talk about what really happened and realize they have someone who's not going to judge them, who's going to hug them and say, it's okay, I know, buddy, I was there. You know, we had an experience with a young man from Arkansas, 26 years old, who was in special ops, and he was back in the States for close to four years. And he would go to therapy every Wednesday night and cross his arms and not say anything for an hour. His father called me after seeing us. We were on Mike Huckabee's show. Wow. And he's our, he and his wife are honorary co-chair people. So we're very, they just... That is fantastic. Work. So we're, we're really honored. I'm honored to, like, you can't imagine. I'm honored <laughs> to, like, sit here and interview. Um, so his father saw, saw us on the Huckabee show, called me that Monday morning, and in tears, saying, we're going to lose our son. He's not going to make it. We need him to go on your program. We're going to lose him. And um, our coaches spoke to him. He finally agreed to come on the program. Two two days before the trip, he got scared and said, they're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to be the crazy guy on the trip. I don't want to go on the trip. The other guys aren't going to like me. He was so used to being the quote-unquote crazy guy in his town because he was a vet who went through so much. So his father was so upset, he put him in the car, and they drove from Arkansas to Newark, New Jersey, to put him on that airplane. Wow. 
Okay, these parents are desperate. These are our neighbors. These are our soldiers. Okay, their families need us. They need that support. They need that, that understanding. Well, we got to Israel. A couple days later, we went through Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum, Memorial, Commemoration. And the last part of the museum is the Children's Memorial. And it is the most haunting experience, but it's the most beautiful experience. Yad Vashem is known as, it's all about names, and it's all about not not six million, but it's about David, and it's about Sarah. Right. It's about right. names and remembering people's names, Absolutely. not numbers. And our veterans are so surprised by that because when they go to the VA, they become a number. Yeah. And they want their names back. And it's important we give them their names back. Absolutely. And we learned that at Yad Vashem. But on this particular trip, this young man walked through, we all walked through the Children's Memorial, and at the end, he got every the whole team together and said, I need to talk to everyone. I need you all here for me. And for the first time since he returned from Iraq, he spoke and he said, when I was in Iraq, I killed a 10-year-old boy. He continued to tell us that the father put a gun to this, his son's in his son's hand and said, kill the infidel, or he's going to kill you. Now, that child would have survived had the gun not been in his hand. But here, our soldier had to make this decision. Do I save my life, the lives of my soldiers? What do I do with this child? And he went to shoot him to just take, you know, cripple him. But he ended up killing the child. And he got angry and he killed the father. Well, the father then picked up a gun and was going to kill him. He had to kill the father, too, to save him. And he told us at that point, every single night, that boy, his father, and the 50 other people that he killed during that war all visit him in his sleep. He doesn't sleep. Everyone just gave him a hug. There's nothing else to say. One of the Israelis who had been a prisoner of war in Egypt, much older, gentlemen brought him over, and the two of them sat and talked for hours. After that, this young man told his story to everyone he saw, everyone who would listen. He started smiling. He started flirting with Israeli female soldiers. (laughs) And once that happens, we knew that we were on our road. He's now working. We finally got him back. We got him on Facebook. He didn't want to be on Facebook. He thought people would be critical of him. And he's coping. He was able to say what he needed to say. So these are the things that, because we're in a different environment, they're back, they are back in the Middle East. But Israel is the Middle East with possibilities. So when we look at it, this is one of the freest countries in the world. Not just the Middle East, in the world. There's so much personal freedom here. And when our soldiers, our veterans come here and they see that, we talk about possibilities. You know, they're very upset with what happened with Iraq, that Iraq is kind of given away. But we talk about Iraq could be Israel. 
you know, not, not as a Jewish state, but there are possibilities always to possibility. build that here. Right. And so all is not lost. You know, when we tell our soldiers, oh, well, that was a horrible war, it was a waste of your time, it wasn't a waste of their time. That's our judgment. They fought it. Right. We work all day at our jobs. We don't want to hear that what we do is a what waste of What we don't time. see is amazing. What we don't see sitting yeah. in the United States, how people in the world suffer. Suffer. Folks, suffer. Suffer and... Suffer and these soldiers. I can't even... But the other thing we don't see in the United States, someone pointed out here, and it got me... It opened up my eyes a bit, and it was just on this trip. And he was saying talking about what it takes to keep this country safe. How many people are working 24-7 on cameras, on drones, on... Right. And I don't think in the United States we understand how many people are keeping us safe. Yeah. That we have people working 24-7 on our borders, watching drones, watching film, watching all kinds of... to keep the bad stuff out of our homes. I don't think we appreciate all. Leading the Way features the Bible-teaching ministry of Dr. Michael Youssef, the founding pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. I hope that you'll make plans to join us each week when we're privileged to share two recent messages that I know will encourage you in your faith. You'll also learn more about the worldwide outreach of Leading the Way to more than 200 countries and in more than 20 different languages. So join us right here for Leading the Way. Our soldiers are, you know, just they're out in Iraq and Afghanistan and they're out fighting war. They're sitting in Germany. They're in Japan. They were, you know, they're wherever we have them stationed. There are millions of people keeping us safe on a daily basis. Yeah. Whether it's our intelligence community, which we like to, we like to trash them. You know, we're very quick to judge at the same time. It's the policemen on the corner who were quick to judge. But all of these people, and it's millions and millions of people, 24-7, that are just keeping us safe so we can sleep at night. So when that vet gets up in the middle of the night and he's having nightmares and he's screaming in his sleep, maybe there's someone on the cell phone. Now maybe it's his Israeli buddy. When it's 3 o'clock in the morning on the east coast of the United States, it's 10 o'clock in Israel, and that guy's up. And he can make a phone call. He can go to WhatsApp and say, hey, can I call you now? Wow, wow. He has, he now has someone 24 hours a day. Yeah. And our veterans that took part in our first team in 2011 are still in touch with their Israeli folks. Wow, that's awesome. And I still hear from, uh-oh, Yoram is in a bomb shelter. <laughs> Everybody call him. He's bored. Please call him. He's bored and he's a little anxious. And they're keeping up with each, with each other. And it's so important and it's so great for them because they have someone to take care of. Right. And veterans like to serve. Policemen like to serve. Very often veterans come back and they want to be police officers. They want to be firemen because they're trained to serve. Security people. I want to take care of people. They want to take care. When we tell them they can't work and they can't take care of their families, when they're injured, they're on disability, and we say you can't work. They can't take care of their families. That's the very basic, basic desire of these guys. I'm the man of the house. I'm the the guy who takes care of it. I make it happen. I'm the guy who's 
Who's going to keep everyone safe? I'm going to keep my children safe. I'm going to keep shoes on their feet. It's my job. This is how they're raised. This is how they're wired. And then we tell them, you know what? You have to take this disability payment and sit at home. Okay. How can we ever expect them to want to live? When you're 30 years old, what's going to keep you going for 50 years? Well, I can't even imagine being disabled. I'm thankful for my home. I'm 45. Let me ask you how how do you how do you select how do you, select these okay. guys? How, do you how do you select the American and how do you select the American? Okay. This is the toughest part because I don't want to say no to anyone ever who served my country. Or any I have trouble saying people say to me I have trouble saying no, period. But when someone needs help, it's hard for me to say no, wait. But realistically, you know, financially it costs us a significant amount of money to run this program. Right. I knock on doors. I'm a volunteer. I work full-time at another job. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, you're the founder. I'm the founder. Wow. Okay, so we have no paid staff. I've scrubbed toilets. <laughs> <laughs> right? We have no paid staff. So, what we do, all, 92% of the money raised goes directly to the program and serving our vets. The other portion of that money goes to state registrations, legal, accounting. We have to do. Right. Okay. To report so we can continue to be a 501c3. So, what we do is we have applications from all over the country. We've taken people from over 30 states on the program. Uh, the only cost to applicants is transportation to and from the point of exit and entry, which is a New York airport. And they just have to get to New York. They have to get to New York. And then get home. Once, and once get they home. come back. Okay. And they have to have a passport and any, you know, incidentals. Right. So... We have an application process, and what we look for, we look for combat vets, disability ratings of about 50% or more, um, people who are struggling, people who get referrals. It could be from parents. It could be from organizations, from clergy. We're always asking clergy to really keep us in mind because the clergy tend to know where these guys are. Okay, if they're hidden in a basement and the parents speak to their priest or their pastor and say, my son won't leave his room, won't leave the basement, the clergy know we need we need you to let that, let us know yeah. if you can, if you can get the permissions to do it. Um, our goal: we triage our applications. We look at team fit. On each team, we want to make sure we have people at different levels of the process, so people can pull each other up, can learn from each other. Right. We have a Vietnam veteran on each program, at least one. Wow. Yeah. Where it's been incredible for the Vietnam vets. We had one young man, we had one man, young man, 70 year old. I mean, he was one of the toughest of everybody. He got through <laughs> everything. He was pulling people up hills. Wow. And um, after 45 years, he spoke about his experience for the first time, and he was able to let a lot of the pain go. Um, do, do you have, ever have anyone from like the Korean War? Because I know they're they're a bit older. No, just... we have. There, it's a it's a bit of a tough program for them. We did have someone who was in the um, 
policed in Vietnam. He was a, an officer drafted by Vietnam, came to the United States and went into our military. Wow. And came on our program. That was very interesting. Vietnamese. He's Vietnamese, wow. yeah. Wow, amazing. He's an American veteran as well. Um, it's very interesting, you know, some of the, some what we find. Um, so we go, they go through a process. There are two coaches for each team who have been part of the program. They're alumni of the program. So they know what has worked. And the people, you know, people are screaming. Are they willing to go through this process? They don't have to be Christians. They can be any. We take Druze. We've taken all kinds of people. We've taken atheists on the program. What we ask is that people respect each other, let each other grow, and accept each other. So they go through the process. They could go through 50 applications, 60 applications to find 10 people. And um, each, just because someone doesn't make one team, they may make another. Plus, we triage. So if there is a crisis, someone is going through a crisis, and we believe that person may not make it to the next team, they go on that first team, they get moved to the front of the line. Um, so we need a lot of input. We also require that everyone, if they are not registered, register with the VA. And people say, oh my gosh, the VA. The deal is you've got to be counted. And if you're not there, you're not counted. And funding goes to counts. So let's get everyone in there and let's get it counted. Let's get everyone counted. So it's about a three or four interview process for each team. But we're really looking for people who meet basic criteria but who really need the program. You know, it's... There's, we, know, we do not allow alcohol. It's not a party. This is work. And at night, wow. instead of going out at night... Say it again, this is what? This is work. You're in team meetings. You're learning from each other. There are a lot of tears. So it's like you're back smiles. in boot camp, but you're, you're getting therapy. You're kind of in boot camp, but you're, you're, you're giving therapy. You're not... You're, you're living right. with people and you're supporting one another. Wow. We don't even call it therapy. We're support. It's peer support. There's no therapist on the on the uh, trip. There are therapists that if we need them or a phone call and a taxi cab away. Absolutely. Wow. That's but great. not, you know, we don't take them on the trip. This is about people helping people. That's helping them. What, uh, how do you, now, do you, you obviously you do the same thing for the Israelis. Okay, the Israelis, we have a, a gentleman named, he's a Brigadier General, retired, Gal Hirsch, and he has taken it upon himself to screen our Israeli participants. Once wow. we have the American team together, we send just basic information to him and he finds Israelis who he believes are good representatives of Israel, can handle this program, um, speak English well enough that they'll understand. We actually take Americans who have moved here and nice. join the Israeli military. So we're God bless a lot them. of God bless them. God bless them. And they feel for them, the Israelis, they get so much out of it too. Especially the Americans. You know, for them, for many of them, it's the, the American Jews. It's the first time that they're meeting soldiers. And so there's a lot they can share. And they just instantly become friends. And so watching them grow, watching the Israelis change, 
And when I spoke to the general the other night, he said, wow. He said he never expected to hear from the Israelis the, the amount of positive information, the positive, positive vibe he gets from them. You know, it's wow. He didn't say the word vibe, but it was translated. That's basically where it was. Wow. Um, so that's, you know, that we look for. We look for people who care and who want to grow themselves. And you can take that moment to understand, you know, these, they're going to grow in their way, but they grow together. And it's so beautiful to see them helping each other and listening to each other yeah. and really hearing each other and sharing those experiences and starting to learn, you know, wow, we're really the same. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing because um, I talk to a lot of veterans. I, 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 you know, to know that a lot of people here are normally first, second, or third generation. Mm-hmm. And that the, to find someone that's more than that is very rare. And to know that during that time, I've interviewed people in the Haganah and Paul Mock. Right. And these soldiers here, this is this is why I like I'm giving you like some feedback I, and and like if I'm I think I have the I think I have a good perspective because this, these soldiers here are so misunderstood, so lied about in the media, so, and when you take a Vietnam veteran who was lied about in the media. They and, and this country's lied about. It's they, there's that understanding. It's, I, I can't even imagine the sunshine that must just break through between these. I got a letter from someone who was interested in the program but was worried about being in the same place with Israelis because he heard Israelis were violent. But that's okay. Right, right. And his friend... One of his friends is on our program now, and, you know, I wrote back to him and I said, we screen everyone, both Americans and Israelis, which we do. Right. And, but he should speak to his friend who's on the program and to get a perspective of really what it's about. The next day he wrote to me and said, I spoke to my friend. I'm so excited. I can't wait to Wow, that's awesome. So, so much of it is that perception that you talked about, that yeah. the media puts out there, that people put out there. Um, it's a flat out lie. It's, well, it depends who's saying it, you know, and I, and I think it's, if it's someone who doesn't know, what? it's... Yeah, except it's ignorance. Right. Well, yeah, but it's based on the facts that they're given and by people who should know better. Right. And so, you know, it's scary to people. You know, this. what was interesting on this trip is no one was afraid to come because what's going on here is no Yeah, coverage. there's actually... There's no coverage. There's some Americans here now, and there's only 18 people on the trip. 30 people were supposed to come, and the majority dropped off because they were scared of what was happening here. And our trip... I, they, I don't know that they were. They even knew what was going on. Yep. And when we're here, we're in a bubble, and we just kind of do what we do. And you know, it's thank God. Yeah. You know, thank God we're so far so good. And but it's really been a peaceful trip. And so many of them tell me they sleep here and they feel at peace here. And it's for the first time since X, since when they came back. How many years? Yeah. And they feel safe, and they feel people have their backs, and 
things are going to be taken care of. Let me ask you, what is the ratio of the Americans that come on the trip, American soldiers, that have been to Israel and haven't been to Israel? Okay, part of it, we only take people who have been have never been here. Oh, okay. okay. So part of our... You know, part of what we're looking to do, because there's such a wow factor, and in order for that wow factor to take place and people to adjust, people who have been here before have been through somewhat of a process. Right. And, you know, with the Israelis, we say, don't jump in. Don't jump ahead. Let them experience it. Right. So... To bring people who have already been here will kind of make the, I guess, make it more dull for everyone. So we're also looking for people who can't afford the experience, who are underserved. You know, when we look, I look at some organizations who bring people here, they bring dignitaries, they bring officers, they bring congressmen, they bring professors, people who really could write a check and come here. You know, we're looking for people who are underserved, who don't have the opportunity. The people we bring here, they're the first in their family. Their families can't, the night before, often their families just hold a big banquet. They can't believe someone's going to the Holy Land. We want to offer this up to people who otherwise would not be, would never imagine themselves being able to be here because they can't, they're not in the mainstream. They don't have these opportunities. They can't get on a plane. And those are the people we're looking for. Because then we can bring it to them, and we can really make an impact in their lives and the lives of their families. We had one young man who came, and he brought his grandmother a rosary. She wanted a rosary from Israel. And a few months after we returned, his grandmother passed away. And I went to the wake, and he brought me over, and he said, Look, Grandma, the only thing she wanted to be buried with was the rosary from Jerusalem. Okay. Wow. The impact we have on the families. Wow. You know, these guys come home. You know, so what's interesting is when we go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, there are people who call their grandmas. Look where I am. You know? Amazing. And it's just beautiful that the families are all, this is a milestone in their family, that someone has made it to the Holy Land. Yeah. And it was for my family yeah. when I came here. And, and like... Let me, this is how, it's amazing that you're saying this because, you know, how do I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be just plain. I could spit on the ground in this country and say I'd send the spits on the ground in Israel and I'd get a thousand likes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's People love the Jewish state. They do. And it's, and it loves them back. Yeah, and, and you know that's the thing. I think we all feel here, and our our vets feel here is that love, and that thanks, the gratitude from the Israeli soldiers and the Israeli people that the American soldiers are out there doing what they're doing and protecting the world. Yeah, um, I think we've all forgotten. You know, if if, if the U.S. doesn't isn't the world's policeman, oh, who do you want it to be? Not Russia. Okay? Not I, I don't know. I'd rather be have the side of I don't know. I feel we're right. And I I'd rather have Mike Huckabee in charge. <laughs> what a great guy! You got a great, great hookup there. He just fell in love with the program from. He's such an amazing man. The beginning. I mean, this. He's met us here. He visited soldiers with us after the Gaza War. He visited soldiers at 
Teleshomer Hospital with us. Um, just a, a fine human being. We have been so blessed with people who have connected with the organization who are really about who we are. Right. And um, they're just, there's so much good. Bank Hapolim, the biggest bank in Israel. They're basically the Chase Manhattan of Israel. Sponsored this team. Oh, wow. Team to Israel. Um, they're BHI what, what in the U.S. That? It's called BHI USA. They're based in New York. What, what was the bank? They're also these bank Hapolim. They're the biggest bank here Leumi? No. no. Oh, I'm going to change my account. I want to change my account and go to this bank. Oh, but they're all over the place. This, I'm going to change my account. Yes. I'm changing my account. They're if you live in the Jewish state and you're watching this video, you need to change your account. And if you have a business, because they don't do consumer banking in the United States, they do business banking only. They're BHI USA, and they support our wounded vets in the United States. God bless so, them. And all their employees. Oh, we did Volunteer Day today with them. Wow! And it was great. Here's my next question. Do they have the chance, I mean, in all your activities, because you're seeing historical sites and things like that, is there ever that chance to sit down like for Shabbat dinner with the family, invited into the home? How does that work? You know, we've done that. Um, I'm sure it's a lot for is, one family to... Right. What we found is we have the Israelis with us. And this past Friday night, the Israelis did the Shabbat dinner. Nice. And they were able to speak to them about Shabbat and sing the, the prayer over the wine and the bread and how, what a family is. And then, you know, they've been watching these young man, men every day take out their tefillin, which is the phylacteries, wow, wow. and pray in the yeah. morning. So... God Our guys it. were able to see what that is and learn about it and learn how, you know, it's, you know they pray three times a day and, you know, what it's about and how to live and what is kosher and what does the Bible say here and there. So they, you know, having the Israelis and we have two observant Israelis on this program. Now, do they have any, have they had any Yemen soup? Because I love Yemen soup. Yemenite soup? soup? Yeah. I don't, you know what? I actually had some tonight. But, um, <laughs> I'm not sure that they've had it. Maybe at one of the hotels, you know, but it's, they love the food. We're, you know, we're eating our way through Israel. I think we all do. Yeah. And um, so, it just, it's been a great experience. Everything from food to chat. To visits, we had an interesting man, is Bensi Gruber, Lieutenant Colonel Bensi Gruber. Wow, he's incredible. the command, one of the commanders in the IDF. But what he talks about is ethics, and the topic he spoke to our guys about is how do you win a war and still be humane? That's and a tough. Having that conversation, and it was interesting to hear the feedback from our vets. And asking him about things that they were asked to do in Iraq and Afghanistan and what they had to do to protect themselves, um, the protocol before you actually take a shot, and making that split-second decision. Is this person going to kill me or is, it an innocent, is that person an innocent civilian? And you have about three seconds to make that decision. And they talked about that. And as a soldier... What do you do? You know, the Israeli soldiers have it tough. I think they have it tougher than any military. And this is, I don't think it's, 
a, a lot of it has to do because of the morality of the Israeli military. And I think I would say, I'm going to contradict you a little bit. Okay. Because I think our guys, you know, they talk about lawyers in the field. And I agree. You're right. I think both of them have I a tough. I think they both have a tough. Yeah, Israelis, right. in some ways, the Israeli people have the backing of their people because they know who their enemy is. Right. Okay. And in the U.S., we're not so sure. We haven't defined our enemy. Yeah, we can call it ISIS. We can call it Al-Qaeda. We can call it all kinds of names. But we haven't defined our enemy. And so when our guys go out there... It's tough. It's tough. I can't even imagine. And at every moment, there are people that are being put on trial for murder, for being soldiers defending what they felt they were defending themselves. So it's really, really hard. You know, Israel's tried by the world court, by the UN, every minute of the day. They have a different issue. They're, they're under a microscope. The U.S. isn't under that same microscope. Right. The U- American people put our soldiers under a microscope that they need not do. Uh, I think if they understood what each individual soldier goes through yeah. when they do need to kill someone, they will understand that they go through their own trial and that trial is in their head. And yeah. no one beats you up more than yourself. And to ask for people to be court-martialed, to scream, he's a killer, that person is already telling themselves that. Right. And all we're doing is pushing them to suicide. Yeah. And we're ruining their families. And we're just we're destroying worlds. Yeah. You know, I, you know, as I said in the scriptures, you know, if when you save a life, you save a world. Right. When you destroy a life, you destroy a world. Okay. And when you destroy a world, mm-hmm. you can't have it back. Yeah. And you don't know what yeah. good could have come from that world. Maybe it's a generation. Maybe it's a week later. Let me ask you, is there a certain time of the year? Because you're getting ready to leave. We're getting ready to leave. And I would really be honored when you come next time. Do you come once a year or twice a year? We're going to be sending four teams this year. So we have three more teams. We're going to send a a team of women. Wow. Which will be interesting. And will be, I think they will absolutely... You know, aside from enjoying it, get so much out of it. So many of our female veterans go through a very different experience than the men, but it's no less harrowing. harrowing, Some of them, it's separating from their children for so long and the guilt of that and, um, you know, the guilt of not being a mom, which... Uh, the stigma to that, I can't even imagine. I've heard some of the things their fellow Americans say to them. Um, and the pain that they go through is tremendous. So if we can help some of them feel whole again, um, that will be a really special trip. And then we'll have two more men's teams. And this will be August, September, and probably November. Well, so, I would be honored uh, in whatever capacity possible. Uh, to be involved uh, as Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes, Insight to Israel to, uh, if it were uh, within the bounds of the way you guys uh, work, uh, to interview these veterans at the end. Sure. And yeah. the, maybe at the beginning a little bit and the end and see the result mm-hmm. and their experience. And also, we want to honor them. Uh, Americans want to honor American veterans and Israeli veterans and give them chocolates for heroes. And they love chocolates. So, yes, I think it's great.
great, and I think they'll be honored. And we have a birthday party tonight. One of our guys' birthdays today. Oh, wow. And so we actually found a birthday cake. So we're going to be celebrating. The guys, some of the guys went for tattoos tonight. So when they get back, we're going to have a birthday celebration. Well, that's exciting. Judy, I want, first of all, we have a cup of truth for you. We're going to get it to you before you leave. Uh, because you're an, doing an amazing thing. Amazing. I know what it's like to be the only person running the show and not complain, and you do what you do because you love it. Uh, and I'm blessed every day, Judy, to be among the most amazing yes. people. I've traveled around the world, and the way these people here have treated me as someone who's not Jewish nor Israeli has changed my life. So we're 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 gonna we're gonna off we're gonna give to heroes to heroes a case if you need more let me know a case of chocolates for heroes and uh, I want to say thank you to Americans who have donated uh, these specific chocolate bars come from Marion Elizabeth Hills Marion gets us a thousand chocolate bars every year. Wow. And she, Thank you, Marion. They're going to love them. She's an amazing woman. She, when she comes now, we we take her on a different tour than what she normally is used to. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually have a guy making Aliyah, so we're going to show her what it's like to be in an event in Aliyah. That's great. So, uh, Judy, um, anything, how can we support Heroes to Heroes? We need help. We need to be, our goal is to send a hundred that's a year on this program, at least. You know, I would like to see it go to 200, but right now we're looking at 100. Our first goal is 100. Ultimately, we'll get to 200. We need your help financially. We need your support in your churches, in your communities, finding vets, getting vets on our site to register for the program, to apply for the program. We need to know where they are before it's too late. Right. And please, you know, go to heroes2heroes.org, H-E-R-O-E-S-T-O-H-E-R-O-E-S.org. Take a look at our videos. Forward it to people. Please get the word out. And, you know, let's get to these guys and please understand them. Please accept them. Please let them know that they're okay and they're, they matter. We're going to post all your information with this video. You're actually going to be on the radio show this Sunday. And then we're going to follow that up by placing this video on YouTube. Folks, thank you for listening to Insight to Israel and watching us. This is Michael Gano. Judy, thanks for being on the thank show. Thank you, Michael. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. God bless the patriot conservatives who stand for the Judeo-Christian founded Constitution Bill of Rights. And God bless Israel in our fight for sovereignty and security. Thank you.